Thanks for joining us today for another message on the glory of God. We are excited to have you here as part of our Evangel Temple online campus, and we welcome you. If God is using this ministry to bless your life, we encourage you to send us an email at etag.tv, or simply if you have any prayer requests, please send us a message so that we can pray with you about your prayer needs. The most important thing when we come together is the presence of God. This sermon series is all about having God's presence, maintaining God's presence. Moses told God, God, if you're not going with us, I'm not going anywhere. Listen, as we approach and as we go through 2015, we must have God's presence. We need his Shekinah glory. And I want this message to be a blessing. And we do want you to call in or to email us your prayer requests. We do faithfully pray over these requests and needs. We want you to be a part of the giving base of this church family. So many people are connected literally from around the world and support the ministry here. And we're very thankful we give God all the praise. And as we always do, we pray the blessings upon all of those that are faithfully supporting. And I just want to challenge you to be a giver to help support this ministry as we reach out and believe God for great revival, a great awakening in 2015. Well, we're going right into the service and may it bless your life. Hey everyone, welcome to Evangel Temple, and thanks for spending part of your weekend with us. Before service begins, we would like to take a few minutes and tell you and your family about some of the things that are going on around Evangel Temple. Well, it's that time of year again. It's the time for the annual business meeting. Well, it's going to be a great time to look at what God did at Evangel Temple in 2014 and then talk about the vision that God has for us in 2015. So all of our church members, you're invited to come uh, next Wednesday night, February 18th at 7 p.m. It'll be a short business meeting, uh, but it'll be a great time for our members to come and see what God has in store in this upcoming year. On February 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames will be back at Evangel Temple. I absolutely love this time of year for two reasons. First, we as a church have the opportunity to reach the city of Jacksonville. With all of the lost, unchurched, and de-churched people, we have the opportunity to get them into the house of God. You can hand out flyers, posters, tickets, and do all that you can to fill out the sanctuary for these three nights. It is our goal as a church and a staff to absolutely blow this thing up better than any other year and fill the sanctuary. Come on, everyone, let's fill the sanctuary this year for Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. The second reason is our church gets to get involved in this production and this presentation each night. If you're interested in being a part of the cast or uh, you want to be a part of the prayer team, you can talk to Pastor Randy or any of our staff members and get an application. If you could fill that out and turn it back in as soon as possible, we'd love for you to be a part of the, the presentation and to be a part of the cast to reach the city of Jacksonville this year. Let's fill the sanctuary this year in 2015. The first two weekends of March are going to be incredible with the two speakers that we have lined up to be here. The first weekend, March 1st, Beth Stevens will be here. She is a dynamic woman of God, and God uses her in a powerful way all around the world. It was Moses. Read it, if you would. It's over in the book of Acts. He was 40 years old when he said, I've had enough of Pharaoh and everything that Pharaoh has to offer. I'm going back to my people. I'm going back to who I know. I'm going back to the God, Jehovah, who makes the way. Amen. In the following weekend, March 7th and 8th, Wilfredo de Jesus will be here. He is the pastor of the largest Assembly of God church in America. And he was even named in 2013 Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in the World. I pray today that you get out of your comfort zone and you live for Jesus and that you put your life on the line because Jesus said that if you lose your life for me, you've found it. But if you preserve your life, you've lost it. Trust me. You're not going to want to miss what God has for us that weekend. So listen, these two weekends in March, the first weekend and the second weekend, are going to be great times for our church to have something deposited for this great year. So don't miss these weekends. I hope that you'll bring your family, invite your friends, and on social media, do all that you can to get people here for these two exciting weekends in March. For more information about anything going on around Evangel Temple, you can stop at the information desk in the foyer, and you can connect with us online as well for quick updates on what's going on around Evangel.
stand. Let's sing that again. Isaiah 60. Thank you, Worship Arts Department. God bless you for your faithful support of the ministries of the church. Isaiah 60, beginning with verse 1. Hallelujah. Wednesday night, we will continue our series from Hebrews chapter 11, doing the verse-by-verse -verse exposition. And it's been a powerful study on Wednesday nights, and uh, we encourage you to be here. Prayer times are listed in your Sunday bulletin. Today, part five of the series, Glory, we're talking about the glory of God being manifest, amen. amen. Praise God. If you found it, say amen. amen. If you're glad to be alive, say amen. amen. If you're glad to live in the South, say amen. 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 Hallelujah. I wondered if we were in Florida Friday morning when I woke up, amen. I thought I had moved to Florida where the warm sunshine was and it was 21 degrees outside. My brother-in-law pastors a church in Detroit and uh, it is so cold that all of their locks are just frozen and they have to take cigarette lighters and heat their keys and keep sticking them in the locks and heat them and stick them in the lock and get those locks to work and uh, I I'm just thankful to be in Jacksonville, Florida, amen. And I'm believing for revival in our city. I'm believing for a move of God and that we're standing, we're contending for the faith. We're believing God to show up in this city and send an awakening. Listen to me, friends. The first Protestant prayer ever prayed on this continent was prayed right here in Jacksonville by the French Huguenots. I believe God still is reminded of that prayer. He never forgets our prayers. And the effectual, fervent praying of righteous people still avails today. Amen. Isaiah 60, verse 1 says, Arise and shine, for thy light is come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon where? Thee. That means you and me. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, gross darkness the people. But the Lord, when all of the darkness is prevailing, the Lord's going to intervene. I'm thankful that God's never late. Amen. Everybody say he's an on-time God. Amen. It doesn't always line up with our time, but his time is always perfect. Amen. And when gross darkness covers the people, he says, the Lord shall arise and do something. He's going to arise upon you and upon me and manifest his glory. And when his glory is manifest, his presence is manifest upon his people, verse 3 takes place. Gentiles start coming, coming to the light. Kings, leaders, men of figure, stature, they start flowing to the brightness of that rising. You may be seated. The glory of God is exactly the revelation and manifestation of his presence, his power, his splendor, his character, his essence. God has always wanted to reveal himself to mankind. From the outset in the Garden of Eden, he chose to walk in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. He wanted to commune. He wanted to reveal himself. Moses at the burning bush with the people of God leaving Egypt, the pillar of cloud that you could see every day and the pillar of fire that could be witnessed. God was not hiding himself. I'm telling this generation alive today, God is not hiding himself. There's a pillar of cloud still to be seen, a pillar of fire still to be encountered. And he was revealing himself on Mount Sinai as the people camped at the base of the mount. The mountain was a flame and a smoke and thunderings and they heard the, the voice of God and the mountain shook. I'm telling you, God showed up and people knew God was there. The tabernacle, the temple... All of these, God revealing his, his presence, his splendor, his character, his essence 
to the people. Now that we talked about in one of the studies, there were two sides to the glory. To the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, one side of the glory presented their leading them, providing for them, protecting them, caring for them. But to the other side, the glory of God to the Egyptians was judgment. So much so that they wearied themselves to get to Israel. But the glory of God had moved from in front of the camp to behind the camp. I'm telling you, if you'll remember the study, uh, there's no armament for your back. And the devil always wants to shoot at your back. Amen. He'll try to take you out aiming and putting a target on your back. But God did not give the, the Christian soldier armament for his back because Isaiah said the glory of God would be your rear guard. I would much rather have God covering my back, my backside covering me, old friends, uh, than, than all of the possible armament. Amen. We got a man seated in this room that makes armament and and. Uh, uh, vest, armored vest, and vehicles, and I'm telling you, uh, uh, there are some things that can get through that armament, but nothing can get through the glory. Uh, the children of Israel were protected because the glory had them covered, and so there were two sides to the glory. It matters what side of the glory you're on. Amen. We talked about also that God is omnipresent. That means that God is everywhere. So potentially his glory can be revealed everywhere, but friends, he chooses not to reveal his glory everywhere. When Israel sinned with the golden calf, God says, even though his omnipresence was correct and true, he said, I'm not going with you any further. Moses pled in behalf of the people, and he said, God, if you're not going, I'm not going. And so we see that even though God could be omnipresent, still he would not manifest his glory. If you remember Eli and the priesthood, when Eli as the priest sinned and Hophni and Phinehas sinned, the ark was taken. The ark was the symbol of the presence of God and the ark was taken. They still had all of the trappings of religion. Let me tell you, there's a lot of trappings of religion today, but that doesn't mean that the ark is among the people. The ark represented the glory of God, the presence of God. And when the ark was taken, and, and, and the ark was taken, and the baby was born that they named Ichabod, it literally meant the glory has departed. I, I thought about that and told the crowd in the early service this morning. I said, uh, what if that, that person sitting next to you was that baby boy that was born and was named Ichabod and he has to walk through life and, and, and all of his life he's under the, uh, the, the trappings of the name Ichabod and everywhere he went all of the people knew his name and they knew what Ichabod meant it meant the glory there was a child that was named Ichabod and it was a constant reminder to the people that friends even though God is omnipresent it does not mean he manifests his presence everywhere for there was an Ichabod. Amen. That's good preaching. First Kings chapter 18. And it's uh, something how that we've been singing about let the fire fall. But Elijah and the prophets of Baal stood on Mount Karma. And there because false religion was creeping into the land and taking over the land. Uh, finally a, a contest arose between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. The prophets of the groves. And God sent the fire from heaven to attest to his presence and his glory upon Elijah and the word of the Lord. And that fire licked up the sacrifice that Elijah had made, even all of the water. Listen, friends, what makes a great Sunday is not a lot of performance, not a lot of religious ritual and routine. That does not impress God. Nor listen to this, nor does it impress a generation that has grown up outside the church that does not know the things of God. I, I witnessed to a man this morning, my dad and I eat breakfast together every Sunday morning at six o'clock and I shared a ticket to heaven's gates with this gentleman and began to invite him. He said, well, I can't come. And I said, well, why is that? He said, well, I'm 72 years of age. He said, I work seven days a week, 12 hours a day. He said, I love to work. 
And he said, as long as there is breath in my body and health, I'm going to continue to work 7-12 because I love to work. And, and I saw in that man there was no time for God, no time for the worship of God, no time to celebrate God. He, he did uh, pass a, a, a platitude. I don't know if he was trying to uh, make me feel good, but he said, preacher, I want you to know that if I did go to church ever, I'd come to your church. Well, I, I want to tell you, that's not good enough when you stand at the pearly gates. When you stand before the angel and you want to find your name written in the Lamb's book of life, amen, you better know that it's been inscribed because you believed on the Lordship of Christ. And I know church attendance doesn't get you there, but friends, uh, when you get born again, you want to do what you're supposed to do, and that's be in worship. You were created to worship. Churches have become more about performance centers than presence centers. And this generation is staying away. If we'd get the presence of God back in the house of God, I believe the presence of God would draw people. Amen. Until you make it all about the worship of God, your family will not come. When you're telling your family, come enjoy my style and what I like or what I don't like, friends, what you need to be telling that lost son and daughter is you need to get to worship. You were created to worship. God has ordained that you worship, and you need to get to God's house so that you can lift your voice and praise and let everything that hath life and breath praise the Lord. You were created to worship. Nadab and Abihu learned that you don't play with the things of God. Ananias and Sapphira learned that you don't touch the things of God. Herod in the book of Acts, which is New Testament, received, a, received accolades that, that gave him credit to being a God. And the Bible says he gave not glory to God and an angel smote him. And within five days, if you study it out, he, he got worms in his digestive tract and within five days died a dreaded death. God smote him because he gave not glory to God. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the Every one of us fall into the same place, friends. We have failed God and we've come short of the glory of God. That's why when God revealed himself to Moses, and, and the Bible says when Moses cried out, show me your glory, God puts his hand in front of Moses so that all that he's seeing is his hand and he gives him a little glimmer of his hinder parts. And part of what he saw was the mercy of God. Had it not been for mercy, none of us could be here this morning. If it were not for the grace of God, none of us could be here this morning. I'm telling you, all have sinned and come short. But God commended his love towards us in that while we were still falling short of the glory of God, Christ redeemed us. Amen. He purchased us. By his own blood. And Moses cries, show me the glory. Well, there are times that you're not to touch certain things. Adam and Eve in the garden were told, don't eat the forbidden fruit. Some people think they can pick that fruit and handle that fruit, look at that fruit, and never be tempted to bite into that fruit. I'm telling you, don't touch the fruit. Amen. It's the first step that the devil uses in your life to draw you away. There are some things don't touch. They were told not to touch the mountain because the glory of God would be there. I, I want to show you something spiritually here, friends. The glory was about to settle on the mountain, so Moses was instructed to build a fence around the base because any man that would dare touch the mountain was touching the glory. Don't touch the glory of God. Don't touch the Ark of the Covenant. What happened when Uzzah touched the manifold presence of God, the Ark? God smote him. There are things that we cannot touch. Don't touch the mountain. Don't touch the Ark. Don't touch the church of Jesus Christ. The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Don't touch the anointed servant of the Lord. I'm just saying when Moses was complained against by Miriam. When Miriam complained about Moses and Aaron, God, because she was touching the glory, touching the servant of the Lord, God smote her with leprosy. You just read that in your Bible reading this week. And you read how God smote her with leprosy and Moses had to intercede for Miriam and she had to put, be put outside the camp 
uh, until God healed her of that leprosy. Herod in Acts 12 touched the glory. Korah, in your scripture reading this week, touched the glory of God when he, when he spoke out against Aaron and he spoke out against Moses. Now Aaron, uh, uh, Korah was a priest. He was one of the Le Levitical priests. He had a censor of worship. Uh, not everything that has a censor of worship is going to be honored by the Lord, as you'll see in this, this story. He had a censor of worship, and, and God, because he was touching Moses and Aaron, he said, Korah, you and all the 250 get your censors of worship, put incense in your censor, and come out here. And Moses and Aaron, you get your censors of worship, and I will show all of Israel which is the correct censor of worship. And God did something that had never happened before. And he, you saw it in your Bible reading this week. He opened the ground up and took the rebellion of Korah and their families, the 250, into the earth that divided. Because they dared touch what God said, don't touch. God's very emphatic about the things that we are to uh, not put our hands towards. Amen? Point number one, the glory of the latter house. In Haggai 2.9, it says that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. I want you to think with me in history. David gives the plans to Solomon, or God gives the plans to David, David to Solomon. Solomon builds the temple. Israel sins, and God judges Israel, sends them into Babylonian captivity for 70 years. The temple is destroyed. After they come out of the 70 years, God sends Ezra and Zerubbabel back. The first thing to rebuilding the nation, he didn't send them back to build the walls around Jerusalem. Mr. Mayor, Mr. City Councilman, listen to me. When God wants to revive a nation, it's not just about building the walls of the city. It wasn't just about the business district. He sent them back first and foremost, rebuild the temple first. And the first thing they rebuilt was the altar of worship. Listen to me, church. We've got to get people back to the altar of worship. We can do a lot in this society to try to conform men, change men. But until we get their heart right, men's hearts will always be astray towards the things of God and the laws of God. We must get a man's heart right with God. Well, they came back to rebuild the temple. And the, everything was going good till a little discouragement set in and, and some little trials uh, began to come alongside. So the people quit working on the temple. So God has to send prophet Haggai. I wish we had some prophet Haggai's today. And prophet Haggai comes along and he begins to point his finger and he says, you're worried more about your homes building your sealed houses. You're taking time to do all of this other, but you've left my house be waste and incomplete. And he says, I'm here to stir you up because as long as you're more about building your own house and you've left my house unfinished, he said, you're going to continue to put your money in bags with holes. Amen. Everybody know that scripture? That's the context that that came out of because the people were neglecting building the house of the Lord. It's important we build the house of God. It's important what we do to, to strengthen the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so Haggai prophesies that and the people get stirred up and they finish the tabernacle, uh, the temple, and he says this glory of this latter house, this second house, is going to be greater than the former. Haggai did not know that there would be future temples. He was living in a particular historic time frame. But let me tell you, the century before Christ came, Herod comes along, and the temple is expanded and rebuilt and beautified. That's what's known as the third temple. The second temple was Ezra and Zerubbabel. The first temple was David and Solomon. But the third temple, Herod, well, Herod comes along and beautifies the temple. And Haggai has said, he's made a prophecy that the latter is going to be greater than the former. And so the latter was greater than the third one had to be greater than the second. It was more beautiful, more ornate. But let's look at this. 
The next temple that was to come along was Jesus when he said, destroy this temple and in three days I'm going to raise it up. He was pointing to his own life, his own ministry, that there was a far greater, I'm telling you with the succession of every temple, it got greater and greater. And it said the glory of the latter was greater than the glory of the former. So when Jesus came, the glory of the latter was greater than the glory of the former. But hold on to your seat right there. He comes to be Christ in us, the hope of glory. We with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, the glory of the latter is greater than the glory of the former. It has nothing to do with us because, friends, we are nothing but, but this treasure hidden in earthen vessels, the Bible says, that the excellency may be of God and not of man. God comes along and he takes cracked pots, as Jeremiah declared, clay pots, and he puts us up on that wheel and he begins to refashion and reshape and take out all the scars and all the, the, how many have ever failed God in your Christian walk? I'm telling you, the blood covers that. And up on the potter's wheel, he refashions us. He makes us an earthen vessel. And he says, I'm going to deposit some of my presence, some of my glory, some of my anointing. And we have this treasure in cracked earthen treasures of clay vessels Paul says that the excellency the greatness might be of God because he can take a human vessel he can take somebody just like you and somebody just like me uh, that we've got a list of failures and faults and shortcomings and he can still rest his presence upon us I remind you that friends the glory was never to be put on an ox cart it was to be born on the shoulders of the priest. You know what that was saying? It was to be born on their lives. Their physical lives to carry the glory. You were born to carry the presence of God. That's when Isaiah looks and he says, Arise, shine, thy light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Upon me. We were made to be earthen vessels that would contain the essence of his presence. Not that we receive any glory. Not that we receive any praise. But that he gets all credit and glory and honor. Hallelujah. And so Haggai sees the glory of the latter greater than the former. Secondly, and I'll hurry to a conclusion, the millennial glory. In Ezekiel 40 through 47, during the millennium, we know that we're waiting for the, the second coming of the Lord or the rapture of the church. Then you've got the seven years of tribulation. You'll have the battle of Armageddon. And then the 1,000 years millennial reign of Christ on this earth. There will be a millennial temple. And you can read about it beginning with uh, chapter 40 of the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel the prophet sees the glory of God coming back to mankind. You read that in the first ten chapters. But beginning with chapter 40, he sees during the millennial reign of Christ that 1,000 years of peace on earth. He sees the temple uh, with the glory of God returning to the temple. And out of the temple, it begin, the glory begins to course like a river. And at first, and you read this in chapter 40, you see that the, the river of God's glory starts ankle deep. I don't know if you've ever been in ankle deep water, some of these flash floods that we can have here in Jacksonville, and all of a sudden a lot of water come down in a short period of time, and you have, you have to sort of jump around the streets and the sidewalks and, and try to miss some of those puddles, and you're trying not to get your pants leg wet. Amen. And, and you're, you know, a lot of people are like that about the glory of God. If it's only ankle deep, they don't want to get touched, and so they sort of jump around in church and, and they don't want to get touched by the presence of God and I'm just trying to stay dry listen don't stay dry when it comes to the presence of God I, amen <laughs> Ezekiel saw the river of God's glory then move from ankle deep he saw it to knee deep 
That gets to a place you can't just jump anywhere. You just got to sort of walk through it and push through it. Then he saw it to the loins. And, and what, if you've ever been out in the ocean, as the, you get deeper in the water, you start feeling the power of the current, the power of the waves. And you start feeling that, you know, uh, that's where the, the scripture in Isaiah says Gentiles are going to be, they're going to start flowing to the light. It's, it uses a Hebrew uh, a word there that literally means a tidal wave is just going to carry them. Amen. And I believe you can get in so deep, friends, that you're just basking in the presence of God, basking in the glory of God, swimming. He said it would waters to swim in. Don't be content with yesterday's experience. This generation of young people today growing up need to have a fresh daily touch of God's presence upon their life. They need to know that God is real, that God's still seated on a throne, that God still answers prayer, that God still does miracles today. We're attesting, we're strangers coming from a far country going to Jerusalem this week because we've heard that the name of the Lord represents His hand, represents His outstretched arm that can do mighty things today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't just get enough of the glory to dance around in. Get on in his presence. Enjoy his presence. I'm telling you, I want everybody to look at Isaiah 60. And we're going to close, but here's, here's the prophecy. I want our worship team to come back. Arise. We've explained that word means from where you are, come forth. The Hebrew literally means originate, come forth from wherever you are in life, wherever you have been, from your waywardness, from your lostness, from your, your religious experience, wherever you're at, from your Christian background, there comes a time that you need to originate, you need to arise. You need to, you need to come forth and then the declaration is shine. That means to illuminate. Come forth and illuminate. Illuminate what? Illuminate the glory. That word is kabod, and it means the weightiness of his presence. The heaviness. When you understand the essence of God, that he is good. That's a load you want to carry on your back. Amen. When you understand that, that he is long-suffering, he is merciful, he is the God of salvation, he is true, he is righteousness. That is the essence of his nature. And the word kabod means it's a weighty, weighty glory. The glory is weighty. It's not weighty like you would think in terms of just heavy weight. But it, it it's just should weigh down upon us how great our God is, how wonderful our God is, how majestic, how powerful, how holy, how righteous. Hallelujah. And he says, arise and shine with the glory. For darkness, and I'm not going to explain too, but verse 3 says, the darkness will be overcome by the light. Jesus said, as long as the light is in the world, the darkness will be stayed. I'm telling you, the church is not to be a distant voice, to be a voice that's gone out of business, but to be a voice that lightens up this world. It's over a thousand churches in this city, and if every church took it uh, seriously that we're to be the light, I'm telling you, Jacksonville would be a different place. Amen. Amen. I want everybody to stand and don't go anywhere because you're going to see some things. Sons and daughters. Mama, how do you get your lost son back? Verse 4 tells you. You got wayward children, wayward family members. They're lost and out in sin, prodigals. It tells you in verse Three and four, how to get them back. Get the presence of God back in your home. No amount of money. I've watched parents spend tons of money on kids and lose their kids. Money doesn't buy your kids back. You get the touch of God back in your home. Get the presence of God back in your home. I never got to this, but when the glory, when the ark was in the home of Obed-Edom for 90 days, this is powerful. You study that. When the ark was at his house for 90 days, go back and read how blessed, how it touched his whole family. We just need to get the presence of God back in our homes. We need to get the presence of God. Listen, the devil out and Jesus in. Amen. Sons and daughters will come home to that. 
The world, the culture has too much allurement to draw them away, but they can't draw them away from the light of His presence, the light of His glory being manifest. Get the presence of God, but look at verse 5 because this is where we're headed. Thou shalt see and flow together. Here's that title, surge, in the Hebrew. And thine heart shall fear. It means have a reverential fear and respect and be enlarged because of the abundance of the sea. When the glory comes to a city, when the glory comes to a home, when the glory comes to a church, God's word is saying that the abundance of the oceans will come. We'll have to build better shipyards because the abundance of the oceans, the merchants, I think that just was in the news this week. Remodeling our shipyards because the merchants are coming. They're bringing the, when the glory comes. When the glory comes to a city, merchants want to come to that city. They want to do business with that city. They want to connect with that city. I, I'm telling you, this is about the glory of God coming back. The if We want to attract people to Jacksonville. We need to get the presence of God back in Jacksonville and upon this city. And the Bible says prophetically, merchants of the sea will come. You'll have to build better shipyards. Be converted unto thee. The forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. That's verse 5. That means all of their protection, their defense. Verse 6, the caravans of camels. I told you when we went through that verse, the multitude of camels. The camels are coming. That represented the caravans of people that are coming. And it says they're accompanied by the dromedaries. God gave me a word, a fresh word, when I was studying that again this week. The dromedaries are the young camels. They're students of the older camels. They watch them bear the loads and watch them bring the resources. And the young male dromedaries, the young male camels, I'm telling you, there's a society full of young males today that need to see the older men, the stalwarts of faith, the dads, the fathers, stand up in this hour and bear the loads and carry the, the goods and carry the church forth because the young male camels are watching. They need to be taught to carry the work of the ministry and carry the work of the Lord. Countries of the Middle East and the nations will bring their gold and their incense of worship. This is prophetic, friends. It's declaring there's going to be a shift that takes place. They're going to bring their incense of worship and they're going to worship Jehovah God. Isaiah sees this time coming. I'm, I'm headed somewhere. Verse 6, look at it. They shall show forth the praises of the Lord. Peter writes about that in 1 Peter 2, 9. Who hath called you out of darkness and into this marvelous light that you might show forth the praises of him who called you. Look at verse 7. We've not gone here yet. The flocks of Kedar shall be gathered together. And I want to show you something the Lord gave me when I was studying this. And the rams of Neboeth. Look at the parallel. Abraham had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. One was his plan and design to create the sand of the sea following him. Don't step ahead of God and don't do your own plans is what you learn from Abraham, Isaac, and Ishmael. But God still made a covenant with Ishmael. Do you know that very similar to Isaac, Ishmael had 12 sons. His first son, his firstborn, was Nehoboth. And I want you to watch this. Later in history, the Nehobatians, the follower, the descendants of Nehoboth, this first son of Ishmael, they were in alliance with Israel. When the king of Syria, Antiochus Epiphanes, in 164 BC, comes in and he attacks Jerusalem and Israel. It's said that Antiochus Epiphanes, that he combined the worst faults of the Greeks and the Romans. This is how evil he was. So that when he finally gets into Jerusalem, he sits in the temple to be worshipped as God. He sacrifices a pig on the altar of God. Utter sacrilege. 
But God is still working to raise up the Maccabeans. And Daddy Maccabee had a son named Judah, which Judah means praise. I'm telling you, God's looking to raise up some sons that will pray. I'm about to run around this place that will praise the Lord. Some Judah Maccabees. But listen, Judah Maccabee in overthrowing Antiochus Epiphanes and, and all of the Syrian army. Watch this. He's assisted by the Neobatians who came in alliance. The descendants of Ishmael came in alliance with Israel to defeat. I'm telling you, God's finest hour for His church is this hour in which we live. And God's going to call merchants, and He's going to call kings, and He's going to call Gentiles to flow where His presence is. And they're going to come to assist because I, I, I want to finish this series with this last part of this verse. He said, I am going to bless or glorify the house of my glory. That's not every house. But the house where he rests his presence. He said, I'm going to glorify the house of my glory. God sovereignly is going to do some things when the glory returns. It's up to you, it's up to me, friends, to get in divine alignment with what God's doing, to hear and to receive. In closing, you better put your finest service and energies into advancing the Lord's church and seeing the presence of God come back to His church. The gates of hell will not prevail against one entity, His church. You need to help and bless his church with every head bowed and every eye closed. Jesus came to provide salvation. He suffered, he bled, he died. And friends, you must accept him as Lord and Savior. You must confess him as Lord and Savior. And you must repent. Everyone that wants to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior in their life, I want you to slip your hands up right now. All over this room, you want to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You want Jesus as Lord and Savior. Slip your hand up. Maybe you're a backslider, a prodigal. Maybe you're a young person. I know that all of our junior high students are up in their own service right now. But if you're a senior high student, you're in this sanctuary right now. God wants to come into your heart and be the Lord and Savior. I want every person with a spiritual need, I want you to make your way to this altar right now. On our prayer team to come but everyone with a spiritual need you've been struggling with things spiritually if you've not where, been where you ought to be maybe you've been running from the Lord maybe you're a prodigal you're the lost sheep the lost coin the lost son the lost daughter friends heaven is real and hell is real eternity is long and men will spend eternity somewhere you better know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you do not know the Lord, if you're a prodigal, God bless you. Let's give a hand to these that are coming. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. Amen. God bless you, ma'am. I want every person with a spiritual need to come. I want everyone that needs to pray before you leave this sanctuary to make your way to this altar. Jennifer, lead us in that song one time through, and then we're going to pray.
more men to come to the altar and pray with some of these men that are down here. Amen. Some of you men, come down here and pray with some of these men. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your word of prophecy. Lord, we know that we must get your presence back upon our homes, our families, our own lives, your church, oh God, the city, our nation. And Lord, we pray that your hand will be mighty, oh God, to turn America towards you, to turn America towards, Father, our spiritual foundations, to turn towards the word of God. We pray that your glory will be manifest, your presence will come to us, oh God. Don't write Ichabod over America. But Lord, come to our nation. Revive thy work in this year, O God. Send a spiritual awakening to our land. Lord, for every home and family that's represented, for lost family members that are here, O God, and represented by this church family, God, we call them to salvation. We call them to your presence. In the name of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name. I want to challenge you in closing. Everyone can invite your family to watch via live streaming, but I want you present. I want to see you present tonight. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.